Hey there, I'm Sarah Thwaites and this is Our Mind Made, a space where we discuss the curiosities of life, seek to ask more beautiful questions and share thoughts and stories which bind us together. This first season is based around books and key learnings that the Our Mind Club members have experienced through their time reading each book. There will also be discussion around nifty ways we've worked out to thread those learnings into acts of doing in our days. You're welcome. (laughs) Within each episode, there will also be a mini meditation I have lovingly made for you, drawing on wisdom from the book. In this episode, we're moving on to 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman, a book that's kind of about time management and kind of about breaking apart the concept of time and how it plays out in our lives. I'd like to start with a direct quote from his book that kind of broke me in just 79 words. Berkman notes, The problem with trying to make time for everything is you definitely never will. The reason isn't that you haven't yet discovered the right time management tricks or supplied sufficient effort or that you need to start getting up earlier or that you're generally useless. It's that the underlying assumption is unwarranted. There's no reason to believe you'll ever feel on top of things or make time for everything that matters simply by getting more done. Brain just smashing. So what if we've been duped into thinking and believing if only we could get a better management system, app, strategy, or whatever, we could get it all done? And worse, it seems we've been made to think and feel we are bad at time management and that time itself is something to be spent used and controlled by us. So what is time anyway and how does the way we measure it change our perception of it? Berkman noted the history of how we relate to time and how the invention of electricity and clocks have made a huge impact on how we live our lives today. Prior to electricity, we would likely rise with the sun and settle in for the evening, not so long after sunset. Now we can make it seem like day 24-7. And with the invention of the clock, Berkman stated that time started to be treated as a resource, something to be bought and sold and used efficiently as possible, rather than something that unfolded. Club member April said, this resonates. It's definitely made me think about how I do try and jam-pack my day and why I am always falling into bed at the end of the night. This was a little unnerving for me to start with too. If you're a mum like most of us are in the club, you would know that horrible gnawing feeling when the kids just won't do any given task so you can get out of the door in time. This friction and irritation I've thought on many occasions comes from our tight hold on trying to control time itself. We're trying to work our tricky, messy humanness somehow seamlessly into the cogs of time society has us running to. Club member Shanoa said, as she read the book, she started to feel very conscious about how she was using her time and extra annoyed when she didn't get to spend her time the way she wanted to. It's irritating, she said, because I know it's using up some of that 4,000 weeks. So if time isn't something we should try to control in our lives, or use as a resource, then how are we supposed to navigate this existence? Berkman suggests we let go of the notion we can get everything done and start to work on getting a few of the meaningful things done, 
knowing we definitely never would have got most things done anyway. He makes notes about carving time out for time-wasting, positive procrastination, and choosing to simply miss out, which he dubs the joy of missing out. Another club member also got frustrated about this suggested outlook initially. She emailed with one very loud, irritated thought. The reason a man can say, just don't do it all, is because there is often a woman that does it all for them. I can honestly relate. For me, it was probably more in relation to the whole family unit. As the primary caregiver, we are not only responsible for working with time for ourselves, but for all the children's and often our partner's tasks too. And the plate seems to get fuller and fuller with things we just must get done. School commitments, birthdays, sports games, swim lessons, and it goes on and on. Our time is so tightly tethered to theirs. So it feels a bit like a blow because we're exhausted by the plate spinning but the idea of dropping that plate is so ludicrous to us because we might be dropping things that are important to our families too. But then with time and more reading we started to feel like this way of being time might just be more generous, more human. Trina loved the quote where Berkman said, Let your impossible standards crash to the ground, then pick up a few meaningful tasks from the rubble and get started on them today. So, standing in the rubble on the precipice of this new way of being, our members have put the following into practice. April is recognising her plans are just in-moment intentions and not getting as concerned when things don't pan out the way she thought they would. Trina is finding the joy of missing out, serious and scary, but also generous and lovely, leading her to carve out some space to be in a moment of time. Kirsty and other members have noted they loved the idea of our place in the cosmos being but a moment in time and are practicing more patience and curiosity. I don't think any of us said, oh well, everything Berkman suggests seems easy. Society's cogs of time still seem to challenge us, but at least now we can all recognise that part of our humanness, part of our finitude on this blue globe, is that we will only get some things done sometimes. We will definitely not get everything done, and time is more fleeting than we imagined. So best we start to appreciate it and give our moments the attention, curiosity, and brevity they deserve. On that note, How about now we settle in for a mini meditation? Can I suggest if you are driving, perhaps pausing or pulling over, this one will turn down our gaze or maybe close our eyes. I've drawn inspiration for this one from page 77 of the book, where Berkman quotes a story attributed to Warren Buffett. Let's start with the story. Buffett was asked by his personal pilot how to set priorities to which Buffett tells the man to make a list of the top 25 things he wants to get out of his life, and then to arrange them in order, from the most important to the least. The top five, Buffett said, should be those around which he organises his time. But contrary to what the pilot may have been expecting to hear, the remaining 20 aren't the second-tier priorities to which he should turn to when he gets the chance far from it. In fact, they're the ones he should actively avoid at all costs. 
because their ambitions insufficiently important to him to form the core of his life, yet seductive enough to distract him from the ones that matter most. So with that story in mind, let's start to settle in. This one might be easier seated. And let's start with taking our three deep belly breaths. So breathing in deeply from the lower belly. Long exhale out. Inhale through the nose if it's easy to. And long exhale through the mouth. Deep belly breath in. And exhale fully. Perhaps we can turn down our gaze or our eyes may close if we feel comfortable. As we close our eyes, imagine we're looking around ourselves in the darkness. This is time unfolding around us. Let's start to imagine all of life's important things gently dropping into this space for you. This moment of time you happen to inhabit. Friends and family, children, the work you do, the committees you are on, your hobbies, exercise you love, groups you are a part of, beliefs you have, things that bring you joy. We're aiming for those 25 or so most important and meaningful things to you. Can we shine a mental light on the five things that are the very most important things to you? Or perhaps you could bring them closest to you. Allowing now for the other things to slowly drift out of focus. What is left here is you in time with the five most important things to you. Hold these things closest. Stay here in time for another moment. Feeling it unfold around you. Noticing your space and place within it. Let's take three final big old belly breaths. Inhale deeply. Exhale, long and slow. Deep belly breath in. Full breath. Out. 
Inhale. And as we pause, a little thank you to yourself for turning up to practice. Exhale fully. Eyes may begin to open. For these sorts of meditations, I really like to write down the experience I've had. A little snapshot from mind wandering. See if you can jot down the five things from the practice. And keep being curious on if you are currently spending your time on these five things or elsewhere. If you feel like you'd like to read Oliver Berkman's book, 4,000 Weeks, you'll find it in most good bookshops. Otherwise, the author reads his book on Audible, and the library is my golden oldie favorite way to procure a good read. Thank you for your precious time over these last few minutes. We now know how precious our time is, so double thank you on that one. I sincerely hope it's been worthwhile for you. A side note from today, if you think you'd like to be a part of the Our Mind book club, all you need to do is email me, saraourmind at gmail.com with the subject line, let me in. This will lead you to getting the intel on the book of the month so you can read it prior. You will also be a part of the brain trust of thoughts and key takeaways of the book. You will also receive automatic links to the episodes as they drop. Come on, come join the club. You know you want to. Also, if you've enjoyed the last few minutes or found it interesting or useful, please subscribe and share if you feel so inclined. Until next time, take care and may you make your mind intentionally. Our mind in sunshine today. Our mind in sunshine, you'll be together.